This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. You have no doubt been hearing about the prospect of automation, artificial intelligence, and technology as a better way to deliver services. Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, you know him, he's been showing off their general purpose robot, Optimus, and touting the potential that robotics will hold moving forward. At an event, Optimus was watering plants and dancing and moving metal at a Tesla factory. There has been some speculation that AI and robotics could also be a new way to deliver disability services. Let's contemplate that with Elizabeth Moeller and Marco Pasqua. Hey, good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Dave. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, indeed. And hello, Marco. Hello, hello. <laughs> so, Marco, this, this topic actually came from your mind. So I'm curious why you were yeah. so interested in, in jumping into this conversation. Well, you know, like him or not, I always follow what Elon's up to just because it's an interesting thing to see a billionaire who's got uh, technology at his fingertips. And so I watched the AI Days event, and I have to tell you, uh, you know, I was a little underwhelmed with what the robot currently is doing, dancing and watering plants, <laughs> as you say. Uh, but I but I do see potential in the industry overall. Uh, in fact, the article that I shared prior to today's show, um, there is an organization called ID Tech X that believes that the service robot market will expand further and surpass $70 billion US by 2032. Wow. And most of that that's in logistics and delivery services. So that's an interesting one to me because that's services I don't mind robots, uh, you know, necessarily supporting us with. It is that human connection piece that I do have a bit of concerns with, for sure. Uh, let's start here, guys. Elizabeth, what's your experience been like with automation thus far? Self-checkouts or computerized check-ins? You know what? It's a it's a double-edged sword. So self self-check-ins are often not accessible for somebody with a visual disability. I can't I won't speak for other disabilities, but for me it's a touch screen. There's no voice. Quite often when you get to a self-checkout, there's no one around because or or a, sec, a, a check-in at an airport because they're assuming you don't need a, a staff person. So not only are you stuck with this very inaccessible machine, it's more difficult to get help. So they're mm. they're using that as a way to sort of shorten um, the the requirements to have staff on site. But then again, at the grocery store, self-checkouts are not very accessible either with the touch screen. Now, I, I will say, I will pause here and say that some aspects of automation, certainly for me as somebody with a disability, have been a huge game changer. So, you know, the the Amazon's Echo Dot Alexa or the, the Google Home have been huge game changers. So, for example, being able to, to read books through Audible or being able to have your lights controlled or being able to have your coffee maker controlled mm. or, yes, you know, even yes. simple. Yes, Marco, I'll, I'll come over for some uh, smart made coffee after the show. But, you know, you know, kidding aside, for some folks, being able to, to lock their own door using their voice or control the temperature in their home. Those are, those are really, um, you know, I, I read an article that talked about your 
convenience is my access. And it's an older article from 2018, but it really said, hey, these devices were brought onto the market for convenience because let's face it, we all like doing one less thing, but it's opened up a world for people. And, and certainly for me, being able to read the Globe and Mail uh, via my smart device or being mm. able to switch on a light, I'm, I'm almost totally blind. So even knowing is the light on is a huge game changer. So I, I am always optimus or optimistic about these uh, about these technologies. I don't like the self check-ins or check-outs, but no. if we added some audio to that, I think it could be a real potential as long as again that isn't taking away from from jobs, which does concern me yeah. of course. Yeah, much like anything, right? There's always going to be some back and forth. There's going to be positives and negatives. I even think about the robotic vacuums, right? I'm, I'm oh, someone I have a Roomba. Who, Yeah, I'm I'm someone who does not like yeah. to vacuum my floor. I although I don't have one of those fancy robot vacuums, I just I just, I just, you know, bite the dust and I do it. No pun intended. Uh, that's how she goes. Marco, what's your experience been like with automation and artificial intelligence? Well, I got to tell you, like, as you probably know, Dave, we've covered it on the show many times. My house is totally rigged with smart technology, smart lights, smart thermostats, um, even smart curtains in my uh, in my daughter's room um, and, and lights on her crib to make it easier for me, right? So that type of thing I really have no issue with. And personally for myself, um, I completely dislike those self-checkout uh, situations. And I think about friends who have even less dexterity than I do. Um, friends who potentially their only point of social interaction for the entire day may be with interacting with somebody at a grocery store um, and that person then supporting them to put items into a bag and help them get back to their car. You know, these are things where it's not just about the actual service itself of putting items into a bag and taking it over to a vehicle. That sounds like something that a robot could do, but it's that piece of understanding and empathy where somebody's actually getting a connection point throughout the day. And I worry as a civilization that we're going to get further and further away from human connection as we rely on things strictly for convenience. So in my experience, I don't necessarily utilize, um, you know, a care aid, but I certainly get frustrated when I go into a Walmart and now I'm doing the job of a clerk. Um, I feel that there should be actually a discount if you use self-check checkout versus using a regular till simply because you're doing 90% of the job. Yeah, you're just you're just <laughs> noticing a lot of stuff that that's changing, right? Things that have been in place for years and years are being disrupted by tech. Elizabeth, you are observing uh, some of these automated uh, is it Amazon uh, vehicles that are buzzing around the yes. city? Yes. Yes, so it's actually uh Loblaws. So Pardon it's me, a- sorry. That's okay. You know, one big company or the other, what what does it matter, right? So it's actually a (laughs) self-driving truck that was launched last Wednesday on specific roads in Toronto. So they have to be sort of open roads, roads where there's not a lot of forks or traffic. But I'm excited about the potential, and we're already starting to see things like that with Uber, right, where you can order order a car. You could even program now with Uber in advance, like do you want music in the car? Do you want a quiet ride? Do you want the windows down? So you can pre-program that. So like Marco said, that's less talking to the driver when you get in, so that's less of that interaction piece because you're pre-programming programming everything in advance. I think for me, the self-driving car really makes me excited. It's the one thing that I feel really prohibits me from being fully independent Mm -hmm. is I don't drive, right? So great. I live in Toronto, but what if I want to go out of the city or I want to go to uh, a part of Toronto that's not as accessible by transit? So it's the one area where I do, I do think self-driving cars would be really helpful. But again, there's a lot of sort of safety risk to to be uh, thought about too. And I think, you know, the other thing about 
um, just the empathy. I thought it was really interesting that, that you brought that up, Marco, because when I was in job search, there was an app that I actually used to do interviews, to practice simulated interviews. And the app would give me feedback and my job counselor feedback. And what was really cool is it would pick up on things like tone of voice, or were you answering the questions mm -hmm. too quickly, or were you too abrupt? Mm. So it was actually teaching me some of those you know, skills that I was going to need if I was to be successful in an interview. There, that's, that's fascinating. There's been uh, what's been described as a Cambrian explosion in regards to the development of artificial intelligence related to robotics in the last couple of years that mainly has to do with intuition, that the algorithms mm. are actually learning and developing an, an intuition and the ability to make decisions and create. There are several commentators who believe that there will be a Billboard Top 100 hit that is purely a construction of artificial intelligence inside the next two years. So this is one of these things where we think about the robotics as something that is going to be replacing rudimentary things. Guys, as creative people, the robots are coming for us too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Dave, Dave, you know that I uh, I featured uh, the Dali 2 uh, on a show in the past. Yeah. We talking a little bit about that and the creative aspect of that. That's really fascinating. But I got to tell you, those creative elements, if you ever watch uh, um, the YouTube channel Netflix is a joke, they have a sub-series where they have um, certain scripts that were written completely by AI bots, and then they actually have um, 3D depictions of what's going on. And I got to tell you, as hilarious as those stories are, and I will watch them over and over again, they are somewhat nonsensical, and so they're worth a laugh, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to be the next Scorsese. <laughs> they're not, you know? they're so, not, yeah, they're not coming for us uh, just yet. I don't know how if, if yeah. Marty if Marty didn't like the Avengers, I don't know how he's going to feel about the AI movie directors making their moves. <laughs> I, I, I want to bring this back to disability a little bit here though because yes. obviously people are talking about the prospect of hey this is a new way of developing dis delivering disability services marco how would you feel about a robotic psw for example well, you know, as I said, it's really difficult to kind of say that. I mean, honestly, um, there is the element of lacking human error, which I think is incredible. So if a, if a robot learns something, it's definitely not going to make the same mistake twice in theory. Um, you know, so it would be very, very good at things like transfers from a bed to a wheelchair, um, pushing you from point A to point B, uh, much like Elizabeth said, and using that, um, you know, self-driving technology, it could be driving you, it could be pushing you and taking you places. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to continue to go back to the aspect of connection and people. You know, uh, Elon Musk's robot Optimus is said to be more human-like than any of the other robots that are out there. And if you look at some of the robots through Boston Dynamics, they're doing incredible things as far as articulation and movement of objects and things of this nature. But I'm really hoping that we could take almost an AI approach to machine learning where you know, it could be, I mean, chatbots are huge in Japan right now, mm. right? In terms of uh, boyfriends or girlfriends or partners, that kind of thing. And those are completely AI. So can we take and pass the Turing test if we if we take AI, uh, a brain like that, and put it into a robot with great articulation? Can we simulate friendship? Can we simulate that with great quality service? I don't know if I've seen it quite yet, but I don't want to completely rule it out. I just still think that we should keep our our human friends close and maybe keep an eye on our AI friends at the same time. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth, I asked Marco a question sort of more specifically about, about a mobility PSW, but what about something mm -hmm. within the blind and low vision community like a robotic guide dog? Yeah, I mean, 
as somebody that doesn't use a guide dog, I, I, I guess what I would say is again, the, the piece around human error, right? Like, you know, how, how well can you train it? But I, I, I want to go back to something, you know, care is such relational work, right? And I think there's aspects of care that a robot could do really, really well, like Marco said. And, and it was interesting because in that, that Optimus uh, article, they talked about that Optimus doesn't have great dexterity. So to certain elements of care work, you would really need that. So again, we have this PSW shortage. So could a robot potentially fill some of that? Yes, I think so. Would it maybe be less embarrassing to have a robot performing some tasks? I don't know. Things to think about. I think one of the things that that I, I think about a lot with, with robots is what happens when they break down. So back to the guide dog example, mm. what happens when they break down? We had a Rogers outage here in the summer and we saw everything just crash. Like people were going to the yeah. bank and oh my goodness, getting cash and what? Calling on the phone for a taxi? But it really showed us how much we rely on the technology. So whether it's a guide dog, whether it's a PSW, we we would always need some kind of a backup because I, I think for safety, if there was ever some kind of a, a blip, what would happen if we were fully relying on on somebody, whether it was a guide dog or PSW in robot form uh, to, to care for us? Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many O&M instructors over the years have told me you need to learn to do this properly because there might yes. be a time when your phone or your telescope yes. or your glasses. Or Ira doesn't work. <laughs> Precisely. It's about those fundamentals. Yes. Marco, let's let's use that as sort of the concluding thought. And I, I don't mean to force sure. this into a binary, right? Because we're just talking this out. We believe in the potential, but we also know there's the concerns. Is there a risk in the way in which technology is perpetually marketed to people with disabilities as saying, this is the solution to your problems? I know we were talking to Nelson Rago on Tuesday and a maker of a smart cane was like, this will replace the white cane. It's like, no, man, it, it like it can't. It can't replace the $20 piece of metal that fundamentally works. No, and you've heard the saying before, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sometimes we don't necessarily need uh, a better a better coffee maker. Sometimes we don't necessarily need a better toaster, right? And so if technology works, and you have to think about that from a financial perspective as well, as you're saying, uh, Dave, we're, we're in tight times right now, uh, you know, with everything going on in the economy. And so we do need those solutions that are easy, that are maybe even something that we can print ourselves through a 3D printer, um, you know, and you can license some certain technologies. Sometimes it doesn't doesn't necessarily need smart homes. In fact, uh, I can't tell you the number of times where there's lights or certain things we have around our home where my wife is just like, you know what, I'm going to turn it off and on traditionally today. You know, like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can That's use funny. I can use my voice, but it's faster for me to just flick this light flick right now light. and have it work. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the, having a both options, I think, is going to be really important. And I also don't want to have individuals in the disability community feel less than as though they only need an AI robot to make their life that much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. As well as not to mention the different jobs that could be taken away from individuals that for whatever reason, due to their challenges, dexterity issues, they're only able to uh, perform certain jobs out there in the industry. And now those jobs, uh, like uh, jobs for anyone else, are being slowly taken away. So there is a benefit there. But, uh, you know, I watched an episode of Rick and Morty um, the, the other day, and basically it was like these sentient dinosaurs 
dinosaurs come from space and they realize that, oh, they can take away all of the tasks that the humans have to do. And humans, you can just play nice by yourself and just live your life. But what is the difference between just, um, you know, living your, like existing and actually living a life, right? Mm. So I don't want to just exist in this world. I want to contribute to this world. And I want to make sure that AI robots aren't the be all end all to remove all aspects of contribution from anyone, including those with disabilities. I wish we had 20 more minutes, guys, but we do not. So I must say goodbye and bid you both adieu. Elizabeth, have a great week. You as well. And Marco, thank you for bringing this topic. We appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, Dave. It's always good. That's Marco Pasqua and Elizabeth Moeller. You hear them as regular contributors on the show. And every couple weeks, we'll catch up with them for a roundtable discussion as well. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.